It's a Magic Untapped podcast on magicuntapped.com, YouTube, and your favorite source for podcasts. Hello, Magic players. Welcome to the Magic Untapped podcast for February 2021. Not only did we make it through 2020, we have made it at least one month through 2021. With me is one of the writers of Magic Untapped, Evan Simon. Evan, how are you today? Uh, as good as I possibly can be right now. How are you? You honestly, things aren't aren't half bad up here in NorCal. I hope they're the same thing down in the South State for you. Uh, but before we get too much into this, I do want to first give a shout out and a hello to Lino Hernandez, our Patreon subscriber. It's because of you and people like you that we keep doing what we do here on Magic Untapped and the Magic Untapped podcast. Thank you for your support. And Evan, thank you for your support on being here for, uh, for this taping, this episode, as it were. Happy to be here. <laughs> so I guess let's address the elephant in the room for right now. Um, there were some card bans very recently, just a few days ago here. Just a couple of them. Um, just to go down the list real quick, uh, we have in historic Omnath, Locus of Creation, banned, was suspended. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, finally banned. In Pioneer, paper format. Balustrad Spy, Teferi Time Raveler, Undercity Informer. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, again. Wilderness Reclamation. In Modern, Field of the Dead. Mystic Sanctuary. Simeon Spirit Guide. Tobalt's Trickery. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, yet again. <laughs> In Legacy, Arkham's Astrolabe. Dredgehorn Arcanist. Oko, Thief of Crowns. No Uro this time. And uh -huh. Vintage, Lurus of the dream den that's a lot of cards a couple duplicates but a lot of cards across one two three four five different formats getting the band hammer what do you think about this evan uh well when you go when you look at the cards individually i mean euro that was a very powerful card it was, it's been like talked about being banned for what how, how long has it been talked about being banned for man it's been printed <laughs> Yeah, so I finally got that, but most of them have to do with like, you know, library, mana, that sort of thing. So they're just trying to like even it out right now. So most of the cards, I mean, Euro, that was just Euro, Euro. I don't know how to pronounce it. It was just way too powerful. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, we have uh, one surprise for me on the modern list was Simeon Spirit Guide. Um, I run that card in Legacy in one of my decks. I don't run it in modern, but I've seen it run a lot in modern. Did that one surprise you? Uh, no, yes and no, because it doesn't have to do, not that powerful a card, but also that it can, it definitely tips your hand in pretty much any match when it's played. So it's, it was, I think it was on the fence for them, honestly. Fair enough. Uh, but we do, of course, in, uh, in uh, Legacy and Vintage have Elvish Spirit Guide, but Legacy and Vintage, Modern, different things, and that's green versus red. So a little bit on that as well. Uh, and one other card I do want to point out on the list that I thought was was uh, rather interesting uh, was Lurus of the Dream Den being banned in vintage play. Uh, Lurus being, you know, the companion from Ikoria. Uh, they had to, because of companions, change the way companions work. Thankfully, that was just a change of the rule book uh, for the most part. Um, 
do you feel that that was a noteworthy band, something that people should care about, or is Vintage just not that widely played that maybe I'm making more of a fuss for it than it's really worth? Again, it's like one of those cards where if you play it, it definitely is a major factor, but I, I don't see the need to ban it, honestly, because it's not played that often, first of all. and The, the format's not played that often. Right, but... Uh, Tough call. Honestly, that is a tough call one. <laughs> okay. And we do have a rule change to talk about. And so that rule change was with the way Cascade is working. I'm just going to read it right off my screen here. Uh, the rule is Cascade is a triggered ability that functions only while a spell with Cascade is on the stack. Cascade means, quote, when you cast a spell, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card whose converted mana cost is less than the spell's converted mana cost. You may cast that spell without paying its mana cost if, the, if its converted mana cost is less than this spell's converted mana cost. Then put, all exiled, uh, ex, uh, then put all cards exiled this way that were not cast at the bottom of your library in a random order. And the rule change here is have is having to deal with the you may cast that spell uh, or sorry with the um uh non-land card whose whose converted mana cost is less than the spells converted mana cost and the the reason that's important is because of the honestly i'm surprised it's taken them this long to do it um is because you have um not just split cards that may or may not have different mana costs based on the two halves but you have uh, an Eldrain uh, cards with uh, Adventure, which has a separate casting cost. You have double face cards, especially uh, in this new set Kaldheim that just came out that have varying mana costs. So basically it's saying you, you know, just because you found a card that has a mana cost, let's say it had to be three or less and you got one that's three or less, but oh, the Adventure costs five, but because it's on the card, Three or less, I can cast the adventure if I want to. It's basically saying no, you can only cast what you can afford. Uh, Evan, do you feel like this is a, a good rule change? And if so, do you think it was a little overdue? Well, you know, what I think what happened they were play testing Kaldheim and they were going <laughs> and they had like a split card and then they played it and they were like, oh, this isn't working right. <laughs> well, Kaldheim, they're double faced, but I know what you mean. Yeah, like uh, more so than any other uh, deck previously. So I. I think that's what the, what happened uh, with the rule change. Uh, I, it, like you said, it is about time they did it. Uh, they should have done it a while ago, honestly. Uh, just, just just by playing a few times when you use Cascade, it's like it makes sense this rule. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good change. <laughs> and, you know, there's so many ways to cheat cards in. Um, Cascade was almost kind of like a cheaty cheat. So I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I agree with you. I'm kind of glad they made this tweak to the rule. And uh, especially considering double face cards, which have been around since old frame magic, um, I'm surprised this wasn't the default rule to begin with. Now, we do have other things to talk about, not just bans and changes. We have a cool set about to come out, a non legal yes. set called Time Spiral Remastered. Uh, now, Time Spiral Remastered is a new way to experience the Time Spiral block that came out years and years and years and years ago. I think around 06, 05. I don't know, going off memory here. Uh, anyway, it features uh, fan favorites uh, cards from Time Spiral. 
from Planar Chaos and from Future Sites, the, the Future Site, the three sets that make up the Time Spiral block. And it's kind of all made into one draft-focused experience. At least that's what Wizards is saying. Um, the set includes, they have not said how many, but probably a generous number of cards from the Time Spiral block sets, the three sets. And just like with the original Time Spiral set, each block will contain one time-shifted card, which is a previously printed card, not actually part of the Time Spiral set proper, but a reprint uh, in, in the original Time Spiral. It was a, a reprint in its original form. Uh, time Spiral uh, came out with the new, the, the new modern card frames and all the time-shifted cards were cards from before that era, all with the old car frame, Akroma, Angel of Wrath, Squire, Witch Hunter. I don't know why I'm only picking white cards, but I am. <laughs> but um, I, are you are you kind of looking forward to this as a non-standard set? I remember first playing, this is one of my first real decks I played with. I remember future shifted cards, which I didn't get fully at the time I played it. <laughs> But everyone who played at the time was just like, this is insane. I was like, what? Why? Why is this crazy? Uh, so I'm hoping for a little bit of that because it's interesting to see, you know, which cards came true. Like, I, like looking back is always fascinating. Uh, but this was definitely a very popular, you know, series of three. And I, uh, I think that uh, people will like seeing it once again. Uh, it will be in a different, you know, slightly different form and everything, of course. But uh, it's... It's nostalgia mixed with what was and what is and what will be. It's a whole, it's a great combination. Now, they have revealed a few cards. Uh, I'm sure you've seen them by now. Uh, and they look like they're all the time-shifted cards. Um, and one kind of neat thing that I really have to kind of uh, point out here is that these time-shifted cards, uh, at least uh, from what they've shown so far, uh, are not actually... Um, cards from the old border like they were last time however they are cards printed in the old border that i think is phenomenal we have cranial plating originally from the mirrodin block we have lotus bloom from the time spiral block we have chalice of the void from the mirrodin block all three artifacts all three with the old school brown artifact frame which i think is gorgeous i wish they would go back to that we have relentless rats in the old black frame we have path to exile going to be printed in the old white frame um, if that's what they're going for not bringing back old frame cards but bringing back new cards or at least you know modern since 2008 cards but with the old old frame 2008 cards pre-eighth edition cards but you, people know what i mean but do you think that's is that cool is that gimmicky is that just something that i like because i'm old um, <laughs> uh, honestly, what's your opinion on this? I love it whenever, like, uh, you know, like different decks get mixed together and you create like a whole new deck out of it. And this is what I think they're trying to do here, like, and like for its for its own deck. I'll, ah, it's yeah, you're right. I I like it. I like everything that's jumbled up. They try to make a whole deck out of different pieces from everywhere. I love it. Uh, I'm excited to see what other cards will be there because they they're not giving too much away right now. No, no, they're not giving too much away. Although spoiler season is coming up, so we'll we'll see what comes of that. Uh, but I mean, personally, I'm probably going to spend a little too much money on this set just because I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I love the original Times Square block when it uh, when it was new, 
And uh, I think just the, 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 the old school magic fanboying in me, especially the fact that I just have such an affinity uh, for the old frames and the old uh, card layouts. Uh, I, I, I think, at least for me personally, as a nostalgic player, uh, I, I'm really big on Time Spiral Remastered. By the way, this is the first time, I don't know if I mentioned this, the first time that they've come out with a remastered set in paper. They've oh, you're right. In Arena. Uh, they've done it on Magic Online, of course, with, you know, Tempest uh, Remastered and what have you. But first time doing this on paper, and if it's if it's the only time they do it on paper, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know what, they gave it a go for people um, who love the actual tangible flipping the cards in their hands. Well, Evan, it's that time in our show, time where we bring in a special guest. And this time, it is someone who you might know in the audience called Tarmo Cat of Tarmo Cat Cosplay, also just known as Cat in real life. Cat, how are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing well. I'm a little cold and snowed in here in Indiana, but um, other than that, I'm doing great. You know, we did not bring you here to talk about the weather. We actually want to talk about your your cosplay. You've become known quite a bit as a, a very good quality cosplayer. Tell me, how did you get into the hobby of cosplay to begin with? Well, it depends on um, when you call it real cosplay. Um, I've been making costumes since I was a kid, actually. My mom taught me how to sew when I was really young. Um, and then around maybe I think I was like 12 years old, I made my first, I guess you would call it a cosplay at the time. It was a Sailor Moon costume and it was it was horrible, but it was, you know, my first one and I still have it um, for prosperity's sake. Um, so that's when I started cosplaying. I just didn't even know there was a word for it back then. Um, then uh, it was 2016. I went to Gen Con for the first time, my first convention or anything. Um, and I, at the time, made myself a, a Phoenix from X-Men cosplay which was awesome. And then my boyfriend at the time, Anthony, um, he was, I, I hadn't started playing Magic yet, but he was obsessed with it. And he was like, it's my life goal to be Jace. And I was like, okay, I don't get it. But so I made him a Jace cosplay and it, you know, made his life. Um, and we walked around and I was pretty much hooked from that moment on. Um, and then when I started playing Magic, uh, I fell in love with Liliana and decided to make her. Um, and then the the cosplay that really kind of thrust me more into the limelight um, was um, I wore Deathrite Shaman the next year at Gen Con. And it was literally like two or three days after he was banned. Um, and so it was just like, everybody saw me was like, oh, you, you're not allowed to be here. You know, and I, I wore a sign on my back that said, unban me. Um, and somebody took pictures of the judges pretending to drag me out of the event. And I posted those on Twitter and I had no idea, but it just like blew up. I mean, it was like within a few hours, I had like a thousand likes. Um, and then shortly after that is when I was asked to uh, join a Star City Games event. Um, so that's kind of what started my magic cosplay. And beyond that, I know I bumped into you uh, last year at, I believe it was the last Grand Prix they've held since uh, COVID really took hold, uh, Grand Prix uh, Magic Fest Reno, and uh, you cosplayed there as Marin of Clan Nell Toth, uh, and then also the Banana Sator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Tell me uh, how the idea and the inspiration came to do a background character like that. Well, um... I really think it was that, uh, so my friend that y'all probably know, Tabby Toe Claws, um, 
we saw that card, uh, it was Golly of the Endless Dance, and it's just, it is her. I mean, it's Tappy, like, 100%. She looks like she's in the middle of a party, um, jamming out, and then she's got all these people around her. So she was like, I gotta cosplay Galia. Well, I looked in the background, I see this crazy person with a banana and the crazy face, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta join you. Like, we gotta do a deal here. Um, so I was like, I'm going to be a banana satter. So that's, that's what we did. Um, and we did that at uh, Magic Fest Reno and it was, it was a huge hit. It was so much fun. Um, and for me, it was really fun because usually I do all these like really serious, dark characters and it was just so much fun to be goofy and ridiculous and silly. And people got it like that, right? Oh yeah. They're like, oh, you're the banana satter. <laughs> I mean, there's no name for that person, but they're just the banana satter. Um, and then we did a recreation of that picture of that that artwork with a friend, and it was, just, I mean, I think we had like a thousand repeats or something. It was great. So, yeah. What? I'm going off memory because I remember um, I was at GP Reno and I did a cosplay gallery and I got you and I got Tappy and um, I got, uh, was Ashlyn Rose there? I don't remember, but. I got, um, not Ashlyn, but a bunch of us were there. Yeah, a, a number of you were there. Uh, and cor please correct me if I'm incorrect because my memory is very fallible, but I believe that was, was that Orcish Librarian you posed with? Oh, no, that wasn't Rob. That would have been great. But um, that was our friend Logan. He's a Seraph Six. A lot of people recognize his name. He does he does commander streams, um, and he's he's like a, a behind-the-scenes person for a lot of streamers. So, yeah. Now, as a cosplayer who goes to events, I got I literally, I, I got like two different questions in a row I, I want, really want to ask you is, one, do you miss going to these events? Because of COVID, they haven't had any GPs. It's not like there's been a WonderCon or a San Diego Comic-Con or, or even something local. Do you miss going to these events? Oh, yeah. I mean, we all, all of us, um, when I say all of us, I mean all the cosplayers that talk to each other, we, we lament it all the time. Like, we just miss being at events together. We miss the, quote, lobby cons, you know, hanging out in the lobby afterwards. Um, we miss, you know, just hanging out before and after the event. Because, um, I mean, we all love cosplaying, but really, it's it's like magic. It's all about the gathering and being around everybody and seeing friends. Um, so, yeah, we really miss it. And then, of course, I'm I'm in Indianapolis, so I'm, um, I miss Gen Con. And then we, we still don't know if it's going to happen this year. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, we can't wait so we can see everybody again. So Yay. it'll happen one day. And the other question is, when it does happen, what do you want to tell the non-cosplaying public who comes up and sees you, want to, take photo, want to take photos with you, interact with you? What do you wish they knew then that they can know now? For the future? That's yeah. a great question. Um, so I think that, I mean, I think the main thing is, like, we appreciate you. We love the support. You're awesome. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, I, one thing I really like to repeat before events is if you come up to me at an event, um, you might think that I know who you are based on your Twitter handle or your, you know, your profile picture, but like is it sometimes it's so hard. So people will come up and say, oh, hi. And remember that post that I commented, I'm like, I don't know. You're gonna have to remind me, you know, who you are on, on Twitter or whatever social media. So if you come up and say hi, just introduce yourself and just remind me who you are. Um, where you follow me. And that helps me kind of put a name to a face. Um, and then always, of course, ask permission, uh, just like anything else. So if you want to get a picture, that's great. 
But if you see us over in the corner, like eating lunch, please don't snap pictures of us while we're st you know, standing there eating lunch. It happened before. Um, so just ask permission. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, it's really as simple as that. So, yeah. You know, transitioning over from cosplay to actually playing magic. Um, I know you are a big proponent of paper magic, as am I, as is Evan. Um, haven't been able to play a lot of paper magic these days, but you you found a way. Why don't you tell me a little bit about playing paper magic over the internet? Yeah, so I um, was one of those people who would go to FNM as often as I could before the, the pandemic, um, and then I would play at events. Um, I'm mainly a modern player. I would play some standard, and then I have a lot of friends who are just huge commander people, and that's their jam, and so I've I've been sucked into the commander thing. Um, but yeah, once the pandemic hit, uh, we can't really go to our local camp stores anymore, at least mine. I, I'm not going to them. I'm choosing not to go. Um, and I don't have events to go to. So I have a lot of friends um, that either stream on Twitch, um, their paper games, usually commander, or even if we don't stream it, we just get on there and we play together just you know on Discord or um, wherever, just for fun. And, and I mean, it's about magic, but it's also, again, it's a huge, the, the real thing about it is the socializing and feeling like you're in a room with friends and having fun um, and playing again. So, yeah. So I think I've been on, I've been on um, definitely on Olivia's stream. I've been on um, Tappy's stream um, and a few other friends. So, yeah, it's really fun. And I, I think you're just, I think you're helping like all of us just in-person magic as soon as possible right as soon as safely possible yeah i mean i want to see everybody i just want to i i want to make sure it's the right time and you know it's going to be safe and everything like that but but i know it, it's not fun to wait but everybody just hang in there and we'll be together soon i know it there's light at the end of the tunnel right now so yeah for sure yep we're getting vaccines and we'll get there and uh, we will all be together soon. But for right now, we are together now, at least via Zoom for the podcast. And I have a three-question trivia game for you to play here, Kat. Uh, it's our magic-related uh, game. It's where uh, we ask you questions that are related to magic, but not necessarily related to Magic the Gathering. You get two out of three right, and you get an internet point that you can spend on anything you want. <laughs> are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> okay, question number one. When playing for the Orlando Magic, Shaquille O'Neal did something in his 15-year career that he would never again accomplish. What was it? A. During a slam dunk, he slammed it so hard that it shattered the glass backboard, causing a delay in the game while the crew cleaned up the mess and installed a new one. B. He made his only three-point basket in 22 career attempts. Or C. When diving for a loose ball, he accidentally jumped into the crowd and landed on comedian Louie Anderson, who had courtside court seats at the time. Oh, so I'm answering or, or Evan's going to answer? Oh, no, Kat, this is all you. Okay. Evan's answering, or Kat, you're answering. Evan's just going to be a smart aleck. Yeah. My my older brother would just kill me because he is like the biggest sports person ever and he would know this part. Uh, I don't. No, I don't remember. I did love basketball back in the day. Um, I'm going to guess. I like the first one because it's just dramatic and it sounds awesome. So we'll go with A, the, the glass. 
smashing the uh, the, the glass backboard. Mm -hmm. He yeah. actually did that a few times in his career. He actually really? only made one three-point basket in his entire 15-year career. So that was my other guess because I know he was like a close-range player, not a three. Yeah, and he would he would actually launch himself into the stands all the time too. People <laughs> yeah, had to look out for it. I Whether that. or not he landed on Louis Anderson, I have no idea. I made that up. Yeah, I, I do remember him falling into the crowd frequently. Um, but okay, so he broke more than one um, goal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the backboard on the basket. Yeah, yeah they're made of glass, and he would jump up, and sometimes he would tug on it so hard. A couple times in his career, two or three times, it, he actually broke it off the glass, and it made the glass just splinter. Wow. NBA actually had to strengthen like hoops right after that. Like there was a new like rule book. <laughs> okay, That's question crazy. number two. You ready? I'm ready. In 2004, the Orlando Magic was briefly part of Magic the Gathering history. Why? A. Special silver bordered Orlando Magic themed cards were given out to the first 10,000 fans during a game against the Seattle Supersonics. B. As an April Fool's joke, Wizards of the Coast jokingly announced that due to a trademark challenge by the Orlando Magic, the company was going to have to change the name from Magic the Gathering, that's M-A-G-I-C, to Magic the Gathering, M-A-G-I-Q-U-E, and subsequently would be reprinting all of the previous release sets with a new card back so that they can be played with upcoming sets that will feature the new logo. <laughs> or C. Orlando Magic rookie Dwight Howard got fined $5,000 by the team because he unexpectedly missed a game against the Chicago Bulls because he was playing Magic the Gathering at a local game store and lost track of time. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with B because that sounds fun. That sounds like a great April joke. You're going with B? Yeah. Why not? It was the April Fool's joke, actually. That was uh, totally wow. it. And I will tell you right now, I was in college at, uh, at UNR, University of Nevada at the time. I read that, and I freaked out for about 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then well, I was like, wait I, I would do that. a minute. I would do that, and then I would think, wait, there's no way they're going to pay all this money to reprint all these cards. Right, yeah. and then you look at the calendar, and you go, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing you would find on The Onion. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Okay, you got one wrong, one right. Uh, you get this last one, and you can win that coveted internet point. Internet, I need those. Uh, maybe we'll get rid of some of that snow. But uh, speaking of April Fool's pranks, a blindfolded Orlando Magic fan attempted a half-court shot to win $100,000 during halftime of a game on April 1st, 2009. The blindfolded fan missed a shot, but the crowd cheered as if he had made the shot. Afterwards, he took off the blindfold, discovered that he indeed did not make the shot, and in turn did not win the $100,000. But the joke was actually on the crowd. Why? A, the man took to the mic and informed the crowd that he had just been laid off and really needed the money. Then after an awkward silence, informed the crowd that he was actually an actor who was hired by the team. April Fools. B, the team decided to pay him the money anyway because of the mean-hearted prank the crowd pulled on him. Or C, the Orlando Magic afterwards signed him to a contract because he got closer to the rim shooting blindfolded than anybody on the team could without a blindfold. 
All these are so mean. Yeah. Well, that, I don't know. That third one sounds really dramatic. Like, I don't think it, I think it would take more to get signed to a professional team. Um, I don't know. The first one is just like, just a, not a good feel, feel good story. <laughs> um, let's go with E because it makes me happy and I'm hoping that's the real one. You think the team went ahead and paid in the money anyway? I have no idea, but that's the one that makes me happy. That's what uh, I'm going that would with. Be a, that would be a wonderful thing. But no, no, they turned the prank right back around. The team actually had him uh, hired as a paid actor to prank oh. the crowd. They had to pay Penny Hardway some way. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. I guess if it, was on, if it was on April Fool's Day, it okay, that hurts. makes a little more sense. Because I'm sitting here thinking like, man, that's kind of, that's awful. <laughs> oh, well. Well, Kat, thank you very much. Uh, and of course, Tarmocat Cosplay, keep up the good work with all those costumes. Maybe we'll see you at an event once events become a thing. And thank you very much for joining us and playing our game. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Of course, now we're going to move to winners and losers. Of course, this is where we just talk about the three uh, Magic the Gathering card winners and losers in terms of finance over the last week or so. And uh, let's talk about the winners first. Evan, sound good? Sounds great. Uh, Sounds great. Some big jumps here. Anyway. <laughs> well, in third place, uh, going up 742%, 743%, depending on how you round, is Blizzard, a rare from Ice Age. In second place, we have Shivan Dragon, the fifth edition version, going from $1.06 to $22.74. That's an increase of 2,045%. And then topping the list is Energy Flux and Uncommon from Antiquities, going from $9.21 to $349. That's an increase of 3,689%. Evan, from this top three, what do you take away from this? I don't know. I, I looked into all these cards and like, there's not commonality between them. I'm not seeing any. Not so <laughs> Usually much. there's always like, a, it's like to the, uh, you know, the newest uh, cards and everything that, you know, they're, sh they're shifting in valuation. It's not, it's not happening this time around. Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, as far as uh, energy flux, um, I think it's spiked. I don't believe it's worth a fraction of what the current average price is for the card. But I will say uh, it is the original printing um, of a card that uh, does have a fairly unique ability, especially in blue uh, with a taxing ability. Um, you know, get, saying that all artifacts uh, or all yeah all artifacts in play have enough keep up to to keep in play. Uh, I do think it should have been worth more than the uh, what, what it was sitting at. I don't think it's worth uh, where it is now. Probably close to around the twelve to fifteen dollar range on that. Shiv and Dragon makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't even want to touch what might be going on there. But Blizzard is a reserve list card one, and reserve list cards have been steadily rising um, fairly quickly over the last year or so as it is. Uh, so it has that going for it. Right. Second of all, Blizzard has to deal with snow-covered lands, and we just had Kaldheim come out, which is right, right, right. snow-covered lands. So I think it's a little bit about people remembering this card exists on the reserve list, being very affordable to obtain, driving up the price a bit. Um, I mean, that's just kind of what I'm thinking here, a combination of, of, of Kaldheim 
uh, and um, and just the fact that it was a reserve card list that costs about what a Hershey bar costs. Right. Now that makes no sense. The other two making like a GameStop like jump like that. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I think that's what it is. It's a GameStop like jump, and it'll be crashing back down before you know it. And uh, as far as our our losers, our three biggest losers. Speaking of crashing. Speaking of crashing, we have in third place, Old Man of the Sea. Reserve list card from Arabian Nights. Was an even cool $500, now down to $283. That's a drop of 43%. We have the 7th edition version of Elvish Champion dropping from almost $12 down to $4.99. 58% decrease. And then number one, I know you want to talk about this, Evan. Oh, boy. We have Moat. Reserve list from Legends dropping 98%, going from $100,749 to $1,701. <laughs> I want to know your thoughts. You want to talk about this one. All right. So it went down from like you can buy a Maserati with it to like maybe oh, make one payment on a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> yeah. It was just so speculatory, like that card. And it, don't get me wrong, it's a good card, but like stopping every flying thing, I believe. It's but it's not worth a hundred grand like that. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Evan. Stay safe out there. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for uh, for watching on YouTube and listening to the Magic and Tap podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts: iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and more.